Welcome to church, everyone. We're in, in part three of this July message series called The Power of Prayer. And if you have missed any parts of this series, I just want to give you a little bit of a recap. Back in week one, we began with this prayer right here. Make me bold, God. Make me bold. Now, that's a prayer, like all of these power prayers we've been talking about, that will probably take you out of your comfort zone. Amen? You start to pray that prayer regularly, make me bold, you're going to have to stretch yourself. You're going to have to start talking to some people, maybe about what you believe. You're going to have to start investing in the lives of people around you. Probably start inviting them to come to church. That's going to stretch you. That is not a safe prayer. That is not, God, will you please bless this food I'm about to eat. God, will you please keep me safe as I'm traveling down the road. And then last week we looked at, at this power prayer, the one that says this, search me, oh God. Search me, God. Search my heart. This was a prayer that David prayed. Not a safe prayer. And we said that often the things that we are most afraid of, the things that we're most anxious about, are the things in life where we often trust God the least. So that if we really want to take next steps, if we really want to grow in our faith with Jesus, we need to have the courage to pray. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. Show me if there's any area in my life that I need to surrender over to you. That is a powerful, powerful prayer. Now next week we're going to unpack another power prayer, and that's the prayer that says this, send me, God. Send me, here I am. Anything you want, anywhere you want, anytime you want, I'm available to you, send me. And we're not just talking about a mission trip, okay? I just want to clarify. Anybody... Uh, Interested in going there one winter in Maine? You want to head there, anybody? Yeah, a few hands right there. This is the island of St. Kitts in the Caribbean. How many of you are going to be part of the planting team to plant a church there? See a show of hands, yeah. A lot of you guys, right? Um, I actually have a friend named Shermel Mulrane who was born in St. Kitts. Um, she's a part of the Nazarene Church in St. Kitts. Uh, I've done mission work in the, at the island of St. Kitts before. And she's actually in the works right now. She's there right now laying the groundwork for a potential 2025 mission trip for First Light Saint, uh, South Portland Church for us to be able to go to the island of St. Kitts during the winter of 2025. So we'll, we'll keep you in the loop about that um, in the months ahead, okay? Like, that's cool. Going to St. Kitts would be awesome for a mission trip. But we're not just talking about a mission trip like that, okay? Next week, we're going to unpack this prayer God, anywhere, anytime, anything, I'm available to you. Use my life. Send me. And then the last week of July, we're going to end the series with this prayer. Speak to me, God. Speak to me, God. And we're going to discover how we can better hear the voice of God in our lives. Now, today the prayer we're going to be talking about is probably one of the most difficult prayers to pray, but it is truly, truly a power prayer. And I just want to warn you up front, most of you, when I share this with you, you are not going to like this prayer, okay? You're not going to be happy about it. In fact, if you do like this prayer, you might not be right in the head, all right? As my father used to say, you might be a few fries short of a happy meal. Most of you will not like this prayer at all. Many of you will refuse to pray this prayer. This is not a common prayer. It doesn't feel good. It sounds counterintuitive. In fact, most of us would prefer to probably pray the opposite of this prayer. And we often do pray the exact opposite of this prayer. This prayer, though, again, has the potential to radically change your life and open up your heart to the work of God in such a way that you will never, ever, ever be the same. The power prayer that we're going to unpack today is the prayer that says this, break me, God. Break me, God. 
About 15 years ago, I was a student pastor at another church, and I, I took a group of about 50 teenagers to Daytona Beach, Florida for a summer camp called Big Stuff. It was very similar to NYC, uh, what our students just did that you heard from Chris in Tampa, Florida. And when I say this was a summer camp, I need to really clarify because um, some of you, you go camping and you, um, you pitch a tent in the woods and you make a fire and you cook some stuff, you sleep under the stars. And that's cool and all. You like to pretend like you're homeless, more power to you. That's awesome. That's not how I really like to camp. Uh, when, when I took this group of 50 teenagers to summer camp, we stayed at the five-star Hilton Resort, like literally right on Daytona Beach. Here's a photograph out my window of where we stayed, okay? And on the other side of the hotel, on one side, you've got the ocean, you've got Daytona Beach. On the other side was the Daytona Convention Center, and the worship services there were unbelievable. Incredible worship environment, amazing speakers. At that conference with over 6,000 teenagers and leaders in attendance, one of the main speakers, and they had different speakers who got up there, and each day they said, if you had one message to share to teenagers, what would it be? And they would get up there and they would just like, like hit it out of the ballpark. They had speakers like Craig Rochelle and Andy Stanley and Francis Chan. And there was one speaker named Perry Noble who would later become a mentor of mine. I would go to Israel with him several years later. But Pastor P asked a powerful question. He asked, what would you do for God if you knew it couldn't fail? What would you do for God if you knew it couldn't fail? And for me, sitting in that arena with 6,000 people, that question brought an instantaneous response into my mind that to this day, I honestly believe came from God. And in my mind, in my heart, I thought about all the people that I loved in my life who didn't know Jesus, who were far from Jesus. Some who I thought would have a hard time even walking through the doors of a church. And I thought, I would create a church that cared about unchurched people, that would make unchurched people its primary focus. And I would try to create church environments that would try to break down the walls and break down the barriers that often prevent people in our culture from connecting to Jesus. And processing that question started me on a path that eventually led to me becoming a church planter. Now fast forward three years and we are getting ready to launch a church plant called Connections Church on the outskirts of Baltimore, Maryland, and we had 20 people on our core team. And I learned that Pastor Perry Noble is thinking about starting a coaching program, a mentorship program for about 30 church planters. And I thought, how cool would that be? That, that the pastor that triggered that God moment in my heart three years earlier to have the opportunity to be mentored by him. And so I applied for his coaching network. And about a couple months later, I got a letter in the mail saying that I had gotten accepted. And for the next couple years, I would make trips every couple months from Baltimore, Maryland, down to Anderson, South Carolina, to meet with Pastor Perry and his staff at New Spring Church. And for those of you who may have never heard of New Spring Church, uh, their work has been powerful with literally thousands of people across the state of South Carolina coming to know Jesus each year through their ministries and, and many different campuses across the state. And, and so during one of my visits there, I, I was talking to Pastor Perry about church planting and the church I was involved in and our core team and all of our hopes and dreams and what we were doing. And Pastor Perry said, AJ, I'm so excited for what God is doing with you and your team. Let me promise you something. And I leaned in. I got really excited. I was thinking that he was going to say, 
God is going to use you to reach thousands of people for Jesus in Baltimore. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. And I'm just looking at him, this mentor who I look up to with anticipation in my eyes. And he says, AJ, I promise you, I promise you, this is going to be the hardest thing you ever do. And at some point, God is going to wreck your world through this process. And I was like, say what? I was like, well, praise the Lord, Perry. Thank you for that word of encouragement and inspiration into my life. And he was like, no, 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 I'm serious. I'm serious. He's like, don't miss this. You got to know in your heart. You got to know that you know that you know in your heart that you are called by God to do this. Because sometimes your calling is the only thing you're going to have to hang on to. Well, we started the church. And over 10 years, God did some amazing things. But there were also some bumps on the road along the way. From 20 people, we grew to nearly 200 people showing up for Christmas and Easter services for several years. We had to move to multiple services. We, had to, we grew to three services because we could only fit about 100 people in our space. 90 people is what we could fit in the room that we had. We saw one year about 100 people receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and 40 people get baptized. My dad got saved in that church at the age of 79. You guys saw photos of that baptism a couple weeks ago. I got to baptize him. My wife, Julie, her brother, Jonathan, got saved, and we got to baptize him. That was another incredible story, insane. We did mission work in some of the poorest places in America, feeding and clothing homeless in Baltimore, living in tent encampments, repairing homes in rural West Virginia in some of the, the poorest counties in the entire country, traveling globally on mission trips to places like St. Kitts in the Caribbean and Kenya, Africa, where we sponsored kids. It was truly, truly amazing. But over the 10 years, some people who were part of our core team left the church. Some people moved away. Some people we loved dearly died. They passed away during our time there. Some felt called to other things. We had groups of people, not a few people, groups of people left the church at two different seasons to help plant two other churches. Some people got their feelings hurt and left. My wife and I, we got our feelings hurt many times. During that time, during that ministry, my father got diagnosed with COPD and congestive heart failure and had to move to full-time oxygen. My mother got diagnosed with myeloma cancer. Some months, our finances were really tough, and we wondered if we were even going to be able to pay the bills. Some weeks, nobody showed up for church, but me and the worship team. I would look outside. I was counting cats in the parking lot. I don't even like cats, all right? And I'd go home discouraged, and I would think, God, did you really call me to do this? Or did I just eat a bad burrito that day at Daytona Beach? And every time something happened, I would think, God, are you done breaking me yet? Like, are you done yet? And along the journey, I just could not imagine, I couldn't imagine the blessings of the intimacy with God that awaited on the other side of every breaking experience. And many of those experiences that we went through shaped us, and it paved the way for us to be here today as your pastoral family. Without those ups and downs, formation and movement wouldn't have happened. God break me is a powerful prayer. And, and so today, I, I want to ask you to consider praying this very powerful, but also very scary prayer. Now, to, to study this today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at two different stories in the Bible, and they're actually found 
in the same place. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you, they're, they're both in the very same chapter. They're found in the Gospel of Mark. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app in your smartphone, go ahead and turn to the Gospel of Mark in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark chapter 14. Chapter 14. We'll also, as always, we'll put verses up on the screens for you as well. But the first story deals with a prostitute. And here's the deal. Much like today, nobody in the first century wanted to be a prostitute. At career day at school, it wasn't like the teacher said, say your name, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the kids lined up. They're like, my name is Billy. I'd like to be a doctor. Oh, that's great, Billy. It's great to hear. Awesome job, Billy. How about you? My name's Sarah. I'd like to be a lawyer. Oh, Sarah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. It's so great. And then Wedkin came up and was like, my name is Charlotte. I want to be a harlot. I got a business plan, okay? No, right? In fact, if that's your kid, you put him in therapy, like immediately, right? Nobody wants to be a prostitute. And so in biblical times, if you were a prostitute, it's because you felt like you had no other way to survive. Because you were despised. You were looked down upon. You walked through life full of shame, condemnation, judgment. And, and, and so in this story, who knows what led this woman into this life? Maybe she was a single mom. Maybe something happened tragic in their life and she had no other way of paying the bills, feeding her kids. Maybe she'd been abused by men her whole life and she knew nothing else. But whatever it was, she was hated by many women, she was used by many men, and she was filled with condemnation and shame. But then one day, one day, she met a man who treated her so differently. Maybe for the first time in her life, a man showed up and didn't want something from her, he wanted something for her. And he showed her respect. And he showed her honor. And he treated her with dignity. And he loved her with an unconditional, grace-filled love. And it so transformed this woman in her life that she wanted to honor him in the most sacrificial way she could possibly imagine in her mind. And so in an extravagant act of worship, she did something that completely confused and shocked everybody else in this story. Picking up, Mark 14, verse 3, here's what it says. It says that while Jesus was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. Now let me just pause there for one second, church, and let me ask you guys a question this morning. Whose home was Jesus hanging out at? Can you share that with me? Say that again. Simon the leper. He's at the home of a leper. A diseased person. That everybody else in the community would have probably run away from. Like how cool is that? Jesus loved to befriend people that everybody else in society would condemn. They would condemn, he would befriend. If you're here today and you think you are too jacked up for God to love you or want you, I've got some really, really good news for you this morning. God not only loves you, he likes you. In fact, he'd like to hang out with you. And if you got to know him, I'm pretty sure you'd like him too. Because people who were nothing like Jesus, they liked Jesus and they were drawn to him. As you read the scriptures, people who were nothing like him liked him and they were drawn to him. That's like the opposite of most Christians today who seem to repel non-Christians, but I'll get off my soapbox. So this is a scenario. Jesus, the son of God, a Jewish rabbi is hanging out with Simon the leper. The story starts off like a bad joke. A rabbi, a leper, and a prostitute walk into a bar, right? And that's how you have, that's who you have in this house along with some disciples. Check out what happens, continuing in the verse. It says, 
She broke the jar. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now, before I go on, I want to explain this perfume to you guys a little bit. The perfume was extremely, extremely valuable. We find out later in the Gospels that it was valued at approximately a year's worth of wages. Just imagine for a second how much you make in a year. Why was it so valuable? It was valuable because it was incredibly rare to come by. Ordinary people in that time period didn't wear perfume because they couldn't afford such a luxury. Ordinary people couldn't afford it. People in that day rarely got to bathe and smell nice unless you were very rich or unless you had a job like being a prostitute. Because for this woman, this was an important tool for her. It was her calling card. In her profession, you invested your money into clothing and perfume. So when you are walking by your customers, you're sending a message to those men that you're nice and you're available for a price. And this was essential for her livelihood, for her source of income, to draw in her business. But help me out, church, what again did she do with that jar? She broke it. Yeah, she broke the jar. And then what did she do, church? She poured the perfume. She broke it and she poured it out on Jesus. She broke and she poured. Now, when she did this, some of the disciples freaked out and lost their mind. They're like, stop. You're crazy, woman. What are you doing? And if we were there, to be honest with you guys, if we were there, we probably would have had the same reaction. It's too valuable. Just give him a little spray. Don't waste it all. We could sell the rest of that. We could use that money to help the poor. Her act of worship to Jesus was more extravagant than anything they could imagine. Essentially, she was saying, Jesus, I'm giving you my whole life. I'm giving you everything. I'm giving you the most valuable possession I have, my entire livelihood. In other words, I am leaving my past behind. My past is done. I'm all in. I'm all in with you, Jesus. You have loved me so much that I'm ready to break open the most valuable thing I have, and I'm willing to pour it out in one incredible, selfless, extravagant moment of worship to you, broken and poured. That's the first story. That's the first story. Second story comes right after the first story. In this story, Jesus is having his last meal with his friends. He's gathered together with his closest friends. He knows he's about to give up his life willingly onto the cross. Here's what it says in Mark 14, picking up in verse 22. It says, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is, what's the next word? Poured out for many. Broken and poured. Broken and poured. My body is broken for you. My blood will be poured out for you. I'm giving you everything that I am, everything that I have, broken and poured. The, the book of Luke tells the same account, but it adds that as Jesus did this, he commanded his disciples saying, do this in remembrance of me. Well, what is this? Most scholars and, and faith traditions in, in Christianity agree that as followers of Jesus, we are called to regularly come together and take communion, like we did last week as a church body, where we take the bread and the wine, 
or in our faith tradition, Welch's grape juice, right? And we do this act of communion, this remembrance of Jesus and what he did for us, and we celebrate the death and the resurrection of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Do this in remembrance of me. However, many scholars agree that it means much more than just that. Certainly it means that we should celebrate and we should remember what Jesus did, but it's also about self-examination. It's also about looking inside at ourselves and examining us. And it's about sacrifice. That when the gospel says to do this, what if Jesus is also saying, don't just do an act. Don't just do a ritual to remember me. But may you also be broken and poured out to impact this world for me. So going back to the story of my calling in ministry, I, I think sometimes as pastors, there is pressure to appear perfect, to present like there's nothing wrong in our lives. But I don't think that's authentic leadership. We may impress people with our strengths, but we connect most deeply with one another, I think, through our shared weaknesses. Isn't that true? Sometimes we see somebody who's great at something and we think, wow, that's impressive. I could never do that. I think I hate them, right? Why is that? We think she's so perfect. He's so perfect. They never seem to have any problems. I hate them. And then you find out that they do have problems. And you're like, oh, okay, I think I like them now. She has, she has crappy self-esteem just like I do. We can be best friends. We impress people with our strengths, but we connect through our brokenness. So in full transparency, as I, I shared a little with you guys last week, I struggle at times with my self-worth and my emotions and especially in the last year and a half, um, after the passing of my, my dad with COVID, with feelings of depression. And God has been doing great things here at First Light South Portland. I mean, lives have been changed. People have come to Christ even during a pandemic. People have gotten baptized. Exciting stuff. But oftentimes to me, one email, one phone call, one comment, can throw me into a downward spiral of despair. And there have been days, especially in the last year or so, when I haven't want, wanted to even get out of bed, and I'm tired, and I'm sad, and a part of me wonders if I'm even making a difference. A, a part of me wonders if I should just pack it in. And, and in those moments, I often remember what Pastor Perry said to me about a dozen years ago, that sometimes that calling is all you'll have to hang on to. And here's the deal. Even in my brokenness, and as many of you know, I'm working on changes in my life and addressing my issues and finding healing, so nobody freak out. The pastor's okay, all right? I'm just trying to be vulnerable and real, real with you guys this morning. But even in my brokenness, I got to tell you, I've probably never been closer to God in my entire life. I've probably never been closer to God in my whole life because I just want to be broken for God and fully poured out for him. All my strengths, all my weaknesses, my whole life, he can have it all. And, and here's the deal. Being broken is not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing process as God breaks me and teaches me daily to depend on him. And I believe with all my heart in this, and this is our bottom line for today if you want to jot it down, but I believe this with all my heart, 
that life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. Someone should amen that this morning. That's good preaching right there. I just want to point that out, okay? Life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. When I look at all the jacked up people in the Bible, this proves true time and time and time again in Scripture. Peter denied Jesus not once, not twice. How many times, church? Three times. And on the third time, Jesus looks at Peter and Peter broke. He broke. But a week later, after the resurrection, he has an encounter with Jesus. He's forgiven. And Peter is the one who's chosen to speak on the day of Pentecost. And literally thousands of people that day became followers of Jesus. God often uses people who have been broken the deepest to do his greatest work in this world. God never wastes a hurt. That's how amazing our God is. There's some of you here right now, and you know what it's like to be broken. I mean, you could probably get up here and preach this sermon better than I could because you've lived it. You're in the middle of it. There's some of you right now or at some point real soon, you're going to be at a place where you're just breaking. And it seems like everything is crumbling around you. And you may be tempted to try to grab all the pieces and try to just hold everything together. But what I would say to you this morning is maybe instead you should just fall on the rock of Jesus and break. Just break. And say, I need you, God. I need your Holy Spirit. I don't care what anybody thinks. I need you, Jesus. And when you get to that breaking moment in this life, and most of us will, you have a choice. You can either run to God or you can run from God. And my advice to you is to run to God and just break wide open and pour yourself out, and you let him begin to do his incredible healing work on you. And this is not advanced Christianity, church. Break me, God, is not a prayer reserved for the spiritual elite. It's not for monks in the mountains and Mennonite women wearing black skirts churning butter, okay? This is really Christianity 101, this is really sanctification at its core. This is going all in with Jesus, with everything that you are, and praying, break me, God. Break my sin. Break me of me so that I can serve you. I want to be broken and poured out. I want to pour my whole life out to you. I am all in. I am offering everything to you. Jesus, I surrender it completely. The gospel is an invitation to die to yourself so that Jesus can live through you. You see, when the sinful woman broke open the jar, she poured all of it out, symbolizing I'm giving you my whole life, broken and poured, broken and poured. And she was transformed. Her life was never the same. When Jesus' body was broken, it was broken for you. It was broken for me. His blood was poured out that our sins might be forgiven so that we would never, ever be the same. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Broken and poured. Our mission here at First Light South Portland, and we're going to have our, we'll have our ownership class in a couple weeks where we'll talk about this, but our, our mission here at First Light South Portland is to create experiences that light the way to a growing relationship with Jesus. And our vision is to be a place where change takes place. And if we want to grow, if we want to change, 
The reality is for many of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, the reality is break me God is really the next big step of faith that many of us need to take. Because if we're really honest with ourselves, many of us are partially devoted followers of Jesus. We do it when it's convenient for us. We do it on a Sunday morning. And, and if that's you, let me encourage you to maybe consider to pray this scary but powerful prayer. Break me, God, so that I can be all in for you, poured out for you. Not partially devoted to you, but totally poured out, sold out, all in. I want to know you intimately. I want to serve you faithfully because I trust you and I love you with my whole life. I am all in for you. Today, as we um, close our service, again, as we did last week, we're going to close by offering communion. And at, at First Light South Portland, we, we believe in an open communion where anyone who recognizes Jesus as Lord and Savior is welcome to participate even if you're making that decision right now in your mind and in your heart. But as we partake, here's my challenge to you. Please don't just let this be about ritual. Please don't just let this be something you just want to check off. Don't even let this be just about remembrance, although that's important. If you're brave enough, take this moment as the opportunity to nail things down in your relationship with Jesus and pray a power prayer. Jesus, as your body was broken, I want to be broken for you. As your blood was poured out, I want my whole life to be poured out for you. And I know some of you guys, some of you guys are right there. You're right there. You're like so ready to just get crazy with this and go all in with Jesus. God, whatever it takes, break me, God. Now, for some of you, maybe that's too scary. And I get that too. So if you're in that category, here's my challenge to you. Pick something in your life. Pick an area you know needs to change. And then ask God this week to break you in that one area. Last week we said... That, that what you fear the most will probably reveal where you trust God the least. Maybe today you ask God to break that fear and you pour that at his feet. Whatever God shows you that's displeasing, whatever he shows you that shouldn't be there, just make that your broken prayer. Break me of that, God. Break me of my pride. Break me of my anger. Break me of my lust. Break me of my greed my impatience, whatever it is for you, start there. Here's what I can promise you, though. When God breaks you in that area, what you're going to see on the other side of that brokenness are the blessings of God. Because life's greatest breakings often lead to God's greatest blessings. So have the courage today to pray a power prayer. At this time, some of our pastoral leaders are going to come forward. Pastor Mike, Pastor Hank, they're going to come and they're going to, they're going to help me to serve the elements this morning. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to invite you guys to come forward. I'm going to ask you to come down, as we did last week, from the center aisle to get the elements and return back to your seat. Then if you have a gluten allergy, guys, in the center of each of those plates right there, they're labeled as gluten-free. So those are the gluten-free ones at the center there. You guys do that. If you're watching online right now, you're also welcome to participate. You can hit pause right now on YouTube and go get some crackers or some juice from your fridge. We want you to join along as well. But at this time, we invite you to come forward, receive the elements. Pastor Jim, if you've got stuff for the worship team, you want to help them, that'd be awesome.
Mike, if you want to take a couple um, up to our sound folks upstairs, that would be great too. About seven, I see. Awesome, that's great. If anybody else had a mobility issue or anything, if you just raise a hand, Pastor Hank can come to you and bring. Anything to you if you have a need. Awesome. Could give Pastor Mike an extra minute to get up to the sound booth, get the people in the balcony. Great. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, who out of your grace and love gave your son Jesus to suffer death upon the cross to save us from our sins. We thank you and we're grateful. We're reminded that in the same night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. May the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was broken for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Take and eat this in remembrance that Christ was broken for you. Likewise, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve you blameless unto everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was poured out for you. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that we would all have the faith and courage to follow the example of our Savior, Jesus, to be willing to pray this powerful, powerful prayer. Break me, God. Break us to the point where we have nothing else to hold on to but you. Let us be people who are broken and poured out, completely sold out for you. People who like the woman that day at Simon the leper's house, she broke all she had and she poured it out to you. Help us to have courage, faith, and love like that so that like her, we can be sanctified and transformed into the image of your son and never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can we stand together as the worship team leads us? If there are things you need to pray about, if there are things you need to surrender this morning to him, broken and poured, the altars are open. You can come forward, you can pray. He loves you, he cares. Let's sing together.
I find Thy power and Thine alone Can change the leper's spots And melt the heart of stone Jesus paid it all All to Him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain It's washed away all my sin and all my shame. And when before the throne I stand in Him complete, Jesus died my still repeat Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow he washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. seated for a moment. Um, as we close today, I'd like to invite um, someone up onto the stage. Um, you, you guys may know her, some of you may not know her. Um, this, is, this is the wonderful, amazing wife of our district superintendent, Dr. Paul McPherson. This is Teresa McPherson, who's an incredible leader, woman of God in her own right. Can we welcome Teresa to the stage this morning? And uh, Teresa has a very special announcement to make um, to someone in our church. And I'd like to invite Pastor Nancy Smith and her husband, Frank, to come up here onto the stage as well today. As you guys know, today is uh, Pastor Nancy's retirement celebration, which is going to be happening uh, immediately following the service. I'll give you instructions in a minute about that. <laughs> well, this is a really, really special award for Pastor Nancy. And before I get into this, if she has touched your life in any way, whether it's a smile, a sweet welcome, a sweet word or two, could you please stand right now? 
Thank you, thank you. You can be seated. Uh, this is a Distinguished Service Award, and on behalf of First Light, the Main District, and the Nazarene Church globally, we want to thank you and honor you for your ministry and know that all these people that you have just most recently affected will take you in their heart and their prayers from this day forward. Thank you. Thank you. We love you, Pastor Nancy. We love you too, Frank. Um, you're going to be able to have a chance to chat with them and, and talk with them. So um, I'm going to pray for you guys. And then if you head out the doors and swing to the right to our gym, it's, uh, the weather is calling for a lot of rain and stuff like that. We have some brave grillers who are outside under a canopy grilling. They're going to be bringing food into the gym. We have special seating, Nancy, for you and Frank in the corner of the gym. There's a special table for you. There's a beautiful sash for you that says fabulous and retired. You'll be wearing that so we can all identify you, okay? And um, as you enter, um, you can do it at any time, but there's a, a book where you can write your name and phone number and address and a little note to Nancy and Frank so they have your contact information. Um, there's also an area where you can put gifts and cards for them outside of the doors. And then we invite you to go in open seating except for their special table, open seating, and um, we'll you know, bless the food and get started in their time of fellowship and celebration. And then um, when you see a gap, you can go up and talk to them and let them know how much you love them and how much you appreciate them. Does that sound good, church? Okay, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, we love you. And we ask you, as always, to just, Lord, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we heard today from these incredible accounts in your word, in the gospel of Mark, the woman who broke and poured everything, the example of Jesus, broken and poured. God, help us to know what to do with that in our lives. And then give us the courage to, to take the next steps that we need to so that we can move from the smaller story of us to the greater story, the greater future, the greater plans that you have for us. God, help us to pray bold, powerful, unsafe prayers. Break me, God. We love you, Lord God. We love you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise today in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. See you shortly in the gym. Oh, praise the one.